What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Rock in a Hard Place. This is John Micah. Hey, 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 this is James. We're excited you're here. Yeah, glad to be back on another episode. And today we have, well, we're going to investigate artificial intelligence. Is it, <laughs> that is sounds it so going, ominous. <laughs> is it going to take over the world? Whoa. I don't know. <laughs> on Rock in a Hard Place. On Rock in a Hard Place. So, ChatGPT, we got to talk about this artificial intelligence. Um, I yeah. actually saw now schools are having to come up with new software to try and tell if AI has been writing the papers for, for right. kids. Yeah, and I heard about this too. My, my kids are in high school and middle school right now. And so... Yep. They have also discovered Chat GPT. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how much schoolwork has been done uh, with the help of AI, <laughs> but yeah. it's kind of an interesting new problem uh, for edu- for education. Um, but it's also, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of fun too to play around with. If you haven't actually <laughs> gone on the website yet and asked it any questions, uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of fun. The fir- one of the first questions I asked it though, because I think it's what everybody wonders. Because every movie ever about artificial intelligence is will eventually the robots take over the world. So that's one of the first things I asked ChatGPT, um, and of mm. course it told me that well, no, because the programming is all it all comes from people, and yeah, so it's impossible. <laughs> nothing because nothing to worry about, human. Yeah. So so yeah. input. You know, it's all human input. So they it can't do anything it wasn't programmed to do. And I was like, right. of course the robot would say that before it takes over the world. <laughs> right. Um, you mentioned how the the AI is becoming sort of a challenge for schools and how they grade papers and kind of the ethics behind, you know, students being honest about their work and avoiding plagiarism. Is your uh, is your kid's school doing anything to screen for that? Like, do they have to turn a paper into like a piece of uh, uh, a website that's like software that scans their paper and picks up on those algorithms. Yeah, so there there's a thing called Turnitin. Um, yeah, well, I Turnitin. Think we, like we, yeah, we used in we used with GCU. Yeah, when we yeah, were when, in school in GCU. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yep. I think it's similar software, similar deal. But the problem is, and one of the articles I just saw recently in the news is that hmm. um, some of those pieces of software are flagging actual papers as AI papers because it's huh. so, so someone actually wrote original content and yeah. it, they're trying to now accommodate for this. A, they're like, Oh, this must've been written by the AI machine. Mm. There's no way this person wrote this, but in certain cases it was original work that people had done. So it's kind of messing up a bit of the software plagiarism things that we have in place because I, I mean, sometimes AI is pretty good. Like, it's pretty oh, amazing yeah. what it can do. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's like, yeah, you, you kind of miss, missed it on that one. <laughs> yeah. It, but, but that's usually part of its charm. It's really funny when it messes up stuff that we take <laughs> for granted, you know? Yeah. Um, what I've been getting really into as well is the um, art. And, and there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a big 
uh, controversy about the integrity of art and hmm. typing in prompts and having AI generated art. But I think, um, and this is kind of a greater discussion going on within like, um, you know, digital social media communities and how they share art and stuff like that. Um, well, real quick, what do you think? Is it, is it art? I, what do yeah. you think? Yes. Is yes, it still art? Because it's art in the same way that like a good author will write a book and you start imagining the pictures and the faces in your mind as you read. It's, it's the use of words. And now we figured out a way to put it into like actual visual art as well. Um, so I like it. And I like a lot of like, there's a lot of cool, like sci-fi AI art, um, hmm. you know, like, imagining um distant worlds and and stuff like that or um you know i've seen some that kind of have like this like spooky carnival or like monsters kind of vibe to it and stuff like that but i think the ai art is pretty incredible and i think the conversation from what i'm tracking at least on social media is the conversation is around like the integrity of protecting original artwork from artists and protecting mm-hmm. that um, industry so that those artists are still supported. Um, but as long as people are stating that it's AI generated art, I think that that's ethical, you know, cause they're using the artistic, um, you know, their artistic fascination with words to be able to produce these images. Yeah. So I don't you know. You still I have like to it. still have to put input into it. Right. To get that, right. You still have to think of out. something. Yeah. Yeah. You still have to think of something to say. <laughs> Now, can you, have you created AI art, like visual art? Well, yeah. I mean, there was a fad a few weeks ago back on Instagram where like you could upload some of your own selfies to this AI art generated uh, app and it would like make AI images of you, like composite. It would like recreate you, but it was like space superhero kind (laughs) of stuff. And, And I mean, it went through a different, a couple of different genres, but yeah, it was re- it was able to create composite AI generated portraits of you, and it, it was kind of fascinating. So I've dabbled with that, but actually, what I think brought this up was we just started. Um, me and my son Jacob started putting in like random um, story prompts uh, into the Chat GPT app, <laughs> and we were like, um, yeah, trying to prompt the the bot, so to speak, to write like movie plots and jacob did a really funny one he wrote write a plot for an action movie about the christian rock band cutlass (laughs) so he had yeah he had a custom made (laughs) movie (laughs) movie prompt written about us you want to hear it yes should i I share it with our audience so this is this is what the robot says if right it make it made up that was all you put into the prompt was make Jacob wrote, write a plot for an action movie about the Christian rock band Cutlass. Yes. Okay. And, and what here, did, what did the machine tell us? The movie starts with the Christian band Cutlass in the middle of their world tour. After a successful concert, the band members return to their hotel only to find it under attack by a group of armed men. The band members quickly realize that they are being targeted and that the attackers have been sent to capture them. 
As the band members try to escape, they are separated and forced to fight their way out of the hotel. Lead singer John Micah Summerall, and this part's funny, the the names it chose from our history of like different band members. Yeah. Lead singer John Micah Summerall, guitarist James Mead, drummer Kyle Peake, bassist David Lutkenholter, and keyboardist Nick Departee. <laughs> <laughs> He's a keyboardist now. Yeah, I didn't know he had a keyboardist in our band. I could see Nick rocking like a keytar. I bet he would be a yeah, proud keytar yeah. player. All right. So, uh, keyboardist Nick Departee used their musical talents and physical strength to fend off their attackers. The attackers are revealed to be a group of international terrorists who have been hired by a wealthy businessman who wants to silence the band. This is Ukrainian businessman? <laughs> Ukrainian businessman. Uh, the reason for the attack is revealed to be that the band's music has been inspiring and encouraging Christians around the world to stand up against injustice and oppression. <laughs> the band members are eventually reunited and seek refuge in a nearby church. <laughs> I love that one. They use their musical talents to rally the local community to help them fight back against the terrorists with the help of the community and their faith the band members launch a final epic battle against the terrorists, resulting in the defeat of their enemy. In the end, the band members continue their world tour, <laughs> but now with a deeper understanding of the power of their music and the impact it has on people's lives. They continue to spread their message of hope and faith, inspiring people to stand up for what is right and just. That's the end. <laughs> Oh, actually, no, there's one more. <laughs> so here, here's this part. The name of the movie could be Cutlass, Unshaken. It captures <laughs> the idea that despite facing difficult challenges, the band members remain steadfast and unshaken in their faith and commitment to their music. Boom. Way to go. <laughs> that is that is amazing on so many levels. Oh, it uh, is apparently, pretty, yeah. It's kind of like... <laughs> how we were being chased by the uh police in Vinitsa, ukraine yes. too a little yes bit. and apparently our music <laughs> can now defeat terrorists <laughs> in this film <laughs> yeah you know what it, part of it reminded me of the attackers are revealed to be a group of international terrorists who have been hired by a wealthy businessman who wants to silence the band it kind of reminds me of our video shoot for shut me out the song yeah uh, Way back then. Yeah. Yeah. Where we had like yeah. a SWAT team and like there was that guy that was trying to catch us. Yes. Yeah. And there's so many things. Yeah. Like you mentioned hiding in Ukraine, that whole situation. Yeah. We talked about that on a previous podcast. Yeah. The Shut Me yeah. Out music video. And then um, the band members is hilarious because yeah. we have had quite a few different band members, but like. Yeah. About as many as Spinal Tap. Yeah. <laughs> But in the that combination, like a lot of those guys weren't in the band at the same time, <laughs> and it, it's kind of a funny comment. And then for Nick to be a keyboardist, which I know, just I for everyone's that. reference, he's he was a guitar. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, it's so funny that it just grabbed all of those, and then we took refuge in a church <laughs> and shared our yeah, message that of funny. hope. We defeated terrorism. Terror. We rallied with, the people of I, the town. <laughs> I guess with music, I don't know, it doesn't say how we defeated them, so maybe rock. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
the power of our rock. rock. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But yeah, that, that is, I love that. That's amazing. I wrote a couple other funny ones too. I'll just tell you the titles of them. Okay. One is called, uh, one is called the unfunny King. It's about the, the king of king. England starting a career in stand-up comedy, but oh. he's not funny, and people feel like they have to laugh anyway. <laughs> because he's the king. The, so it's called The Unfunny King. <laughs> and then, yeah. Uh, another one I wrote is about Tom Brady coming out of retirement again from the NFL to be a driver for Team Red Bull Racing in Formula <laughs> One. <laughs> Which, by the way, I have to say... If you haven't watched Drive to Survive, yeah, it's yeah, so Drive good. And so good. like, I, I, I like car racing, so I, I like cars. I've kind of, I kind of followed it at a distance. So I, you know, but I knew who Michael Schumacher was, and you know, yeah. I, I knew who Hamilton was, and a few of these guys, right? But after yeah. watching that show, like, I'm a fan now. Like that show, yeah, completely Same changed it. Like, me. I love F1 now. Yeah. It's so, yes, it's so, it's so fun. So cool. So I didn't know like anything. I knew diddly squat about it to be totally honest. And, um, so I would say for people, like if you've been generally interested in it at all, or if you know nothing about F1, like it's such a good show and it really kind of makes you fall in love with the sport, but here you yeah. got to know the title of this okay. yeah, yeah, Tom Brady movie. It's called Red Bull <laughs> racing Brady's return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the that's... red bull racing team is struggling to keep up with the competition their team manager christian horner decides to make a bold move and recruit a new driver to the team he contacts tom brady the legendary <laughs> nfl quarterback who recently retired and convinces him to come out of retirement to drive for red bull <laughs> oh man and then it goes I, on from there it's actually I want... really funny I want SNL to do like a spoof episode of Drive to Survive that is that. That would yeah. be amazing. Well, actually, I wonder <laughs> if any of those people are using it for like writing prompts for writing sketches. I mean, they're probably not. I, I don't know. But that's those conversations are going to be coming up in this kind of industry now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. in songwriting, too. Like I saw a video that our friend Derek Ooh. Miner posted. Uh, a video of AI is able to simulate voices now. And this dude just kind Whoa. of, he, he wrote a few lines of like bars of rap in, in sort of a way that Kanye West would style it. And then he just rapped in his normal voice and mm-hmm. used the, the um, voice simulator thing. And literally it sounded like Kanye. It was so weird. Whoa. So I'm kind of scared for how that will affect <laughs> the music industry, music. to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It can yeah, copy your voice, dude. Do you have to like, yeah, it, it, do you have to copyright your own sound of your voice? Because if somebody replicates yeah, it knows? using a machine, that's yeah. crazy. Yes. That's, Isn't yeah, it? wow. Wow. Yeah, it could literally replicate <laughs> your voice and we could type in, Man. sing like John Micah from Cutlass. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Weird. We should try it. <laughs> I know I kind of want to. You should sing. You should sing and see if you can make it sound like me. That'd be weird. Oh, perfect. Actually. <laughs> that would be perfect. Oh. Uh, well, um boy, now that now that I'm all creeped out about 
AI. Yeah. Um, and well, also, also kind of st- stoked about the drive to survive Tom Brady edition. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a heralding story, my friend. Also, I should say to our, our audience, um, you know, who knows when you're listening to this, but we all just celebrated Easter this weekend. So, uh, you know, these podcasts come out on Monday. So happy Easter, everybody. And yeah, uh, yeah, I hope you had a great time with your family and loved ones. And we love you and we're thankful for you, our listeners, you know, so Resurrection Sunday, if you prefer. That's right. (laughs) Sure. Yep. Yep. Merry Christmas. Merry Merry Easter. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, uh, in that rabbit trail down AI, you brought up the shut me out music video, yeah. um, which so much just fun to rewind for a second, probably my favorite music video we've ever done. Um, yeah. and this was a long time ago too. So, um, that was before like we, everyone was shooting in like digital too, as I recall. Yeah. So I think we had like actual film cameras, which wow. again, <laughs> in that era, was kind of a big deal, right? Like, yeah. Um, that, that era of the film, it was such, so different than shooting digital now. Yeah. And you had yeah, to have, yeah. you had to have like all the big cameras and, and yep. that shoot too. We had the full crew, like Hollywood film crew. Like it was right. all the, all the people you would have on like a normal film shoot, all the lighting, right. all the grips, Catering, all the, costuming. Yeah. Uh, it was hair and full makeup. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had the SWAT team, which was actors. A bunch of extras. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, Donald Loomis looking guy that played like the, you know, the lead detective or whatever. Yeah. He was calling all the shots from his walkie talkie and stuff. Dude, it was, they were so good. Like all those They were good. Were, they were, they were legit. really good. Yeah. <laughs> so legit. It, it, it's, it's funny that that, that chat GPT storyline, like, kind of emulated (laughs) like visually what we did in that in that video a bit um and then do you remember so in that video i guess i guess we could start off with a storyline the whole idea was like we're trying to get our message out there which shut me out the song that's talking about um yeah it's sort of like a dystopian style video where we're like rebels trying to broadcast like a, a pirated um either radio signal or like some sort of like satellite signal we're trying to send out a message and so we're rigging up in this like abandoned warehouse we're trying to rig up this electronic like et phone home kind of thing (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. but the concept of the song being uh kind of this idea of like when you know like the apostle paul and and some of the original first church leaders were really being oppressed by the government Mm -hmm. and church leaders um some thrown in prison some of them martyred um, this kind of right. idea that n- you can't bury the gospel and um, Amen. you know, and, and I think like when Paul was released from prison um, there was this, you know, like, Hey, you better not. And, <laughs> and yeah. it was like, no, I, I'm going to, I'm going to preach the gospel regardless. Right. And so, um, right. So I, and I Peter think, and John too, they were told that every day, like, and yeah. don't you come back here. And they're like, yeah, but yeah. we're gonna, <laughs> but we're gonna, we're not, yeah, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna keep in and, and all those guys. I feel like they were just in and out of prison constantly and been like, okay, yeah. don't, ever, don't do it anymore. And they're like, yep. well, we, we can't help but do it because that's really, how, how do you not share the gospel? How do you, you can't suffocate truth in that way if it's if it's real and if it's part of you right, so dude. The, the the concept of this song kind of being like you can't 
shut me up. Even if you don't like the message, even if you don't agree with it, ultimately, um, yeah, this is something that we're going to keep doing and even under oppression or, you know, conflict. Um, so that's why that kind of came together in that visual way in that, in that video. It was a very cool Um, shoot. And we, the coloring of it was cool too. It really did look like a movie. And, uh, yeah. and I got a new guitar for that video. It was always, cool. always wonderful to get. Yeah. New it was guitars. a PRS. It was a PRS, uh, the Dave Navarro edition that was like white oh, with gold okay. on it. It was a really yeah, and cool that, guitar. That was during the era that we were sponsored by PRS. Yeah. And I had, I think total, I think I had 17 <laughs> PRS <smokes>. guitars <laughs> at one point. Um, several of them were really, really unique. I, I didn't necessarily have like five guitars that were the same style or wood or pickups or anything. I had pretty diverse different guitars from them during that time. And, uh, a couple of them like Paul of Paul Reed Smith, you know, PRS is named after Paul Paul Reed Smith. (laughs) Paul made a couple of them for me and brought them to shows and like, here you go. We, we made this for you. I wanted you to have it and like, didn't have a serial number on it. Just from Paul on the back. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had some really cool guitars from them. It was fun to work with, uh, that fella, Jack Higginbotham there for many years. Yeah. Works with a lot of the different bands in the Christian industry. And I, I was very blessed. They gave me a whole, a whole lot of stuff and I was playing their guitars for many years actually. Yeah. So that, yeah, really cool. And got to, yeah, got to feature that guitar in that video, which was really cool. And, uh, yeah. So the other thing that was kind of crazy for me on that video shoot was, uh, there's, there's this scene or a couple scenes where I'm on the corner of a rooftop and I've got like a megaphone. That was so scary. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You were so high up in the air and (laughs) it was like 60 feet up, I think maybe even higher than that. I don't know. And I'm on the corner of a building (laughs) <laughs> and and there's no railing or anything and not I mean, just just literally building, like a decrepit old la <laughs> building <laughs> like gross probably it's, it's, gonna fall apart building yeah and if i fall like it's if i fall off i would die like it's high enough that if i fell off i would die and yeah. so they had me like they're like just move to the corner as close as you can and kind of like you know lean out over with the with the megaphone and we'll get the shot from down here <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm like scooting up to the edge of this building and kind of like leaning out into the void. And oh I, there was a couple times I had to step back cause I was getting like getting a little bit of vertigo because yeah. when you came yeah. all the way to the very edge, that very corner of the building, you didn't have the, the peripheral to right. see where the ground was. Right. And right, so you right. really did kind of feel like you were just in space and yep. but you're like, dude, I need to not fall over right now because if I yep. fall over, I would fall off the building and die. So yeah. it was kind of. This- I honestly <laughs> don't think I could have done it, man. Yeah, I, it was it was a little creepy. I don't know, but I, I I mean I've been rock climbing and a lot of things like that too. So it wasn't like yeah a completely foreign feeling to be yeah. And we've even in, gone like scrambling before too, where you're <laughs> yeah. rock climbing on you know, surfaces that don't go much higher than 15 feet or so. And you have a crash pad underneath of you. That's maybe the size of like a, a double mattress. <laughs> Bouldering. Um, yeah. 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 And then you're, you know, 
you have shoes on, but you're not necessarily, um, you're not uh, tied on onto a rope and a harness or anything like when you're yeah. climbing a big, you know, flat yeah. surface. Yeah, we do. But That's that we've done. That I've done some bo- some bouldering and yeah, yeah, I've done. I grew up not too far from Smith Rocks, and we'd go up and rock climb at Smith Rocks sometimes. And very cool. That's pretty. Yeah, cool. that's a state park here in Oregon, right? That's yeah. Smith yep. Rock State Park, close to Bend, gorgeous, yeah, Central Oregon. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah, and there's a bunch of yeah. bolted climbs up there, and there was a group cool. from the church. We'd go up there and climb sometimes, and yeah, I was yeah. never amazing at it, but um, yeah, listeners, yeah, you, if you've never heard of Smith Rock. Just look up some pictures of it on Instagram or something. You'll be blown away. It's yeah. really cool, really pretty. Yeah, really, really is. Um, so yeah. So, anyways, come back to that video. Uh, standing on the edge of the building, <laughs> trying not to die. Oh, man. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the other thing that was really interesting to me uh, that was, I think, a unique thing in our career is we haven't really gotten to rub shoulders with kind of the Hollywood crowd that much. Like, there's a there's a few people, um, right. Jim Caviezel. When, yeah, Jim Caviezel <laughs> and, and Mel Gibson. Um, yep. uh, when The Passion of the Christ came out, like we were involved with some of th- that stuff that we... Yeah, well, we, we tried to write a song for it called Passion. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. it's on our album, Sea of Faces. And it didn't end up associated with their movie at all, but that's why we were writing that song. Yeah, and I think it did end up... There, there was a inspired by the movie record that came out somewhere that I think it might've been on a compilation or something like that. But are you not confusing um, that with the Narnia experience when we did music for Lion, the witch and the wardrobe? Yeah, no, that, cause we did that one too. Um, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know if the okay. passion one ever ended up on, and, cause I it was on one of our, either. it's on one of our right. records, but there was a couple of sea those of where they just like, yeah, a couple of those where they just like pick a song and throw it on a compilation. And these were all, yeah. Yeah, I don't even remember those. There's so many of those over the years. Yeah, like remember the X was the X CDs or whatever. The, <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah. all the hits. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'd always I still have a song get people coming up to me nowadays who are like, "I first heard your band on that X 2004 thing." You know? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool to to look back on that. Do you have yeah. any other standout memories from uh, when we were there making that video? Well, yeah. So what I was going to say is, I mean, the Hollywood scene is kind of an interesting world. I feel like there's a little bit of a bubble there, you know, in, in just the people that work in film and uh, actors and kind of the LA scene. And so we, we've been around it occasionally a few times and seen it, but not really in it, in it. And um, sure. so th- that video was kind of fun because I, I think it was probably the most that we've ever worked with like a full video crew. And this was in Hollywood. Definitely. Yeah. So these are people that are working on movies all the time. Like, big movies yeah, these are the people that are you know yep this is their job they're doing they're doing films and tv shows and stuff you've heard about you know and seeing that's what they do all the time but they're <laughs> the behind the scenes people and so but they're in that culture in that world every day yep. um and so i do have this memory of one of the grips that was working on uh on the set there with us and uh you know we're there all day everyone's kind of multiple shoots and sometimes you're in the shot sometimes you're not yeah. so sometimes you work for 10 minutes and then you don't work for the next two and a half hours yeah, yeah. while you wait it's hurry up and wait a lot right yeah yep. and uh so anyways i was just chatting with one of the ladies there and um she made some sort of comment about like yeah i didn't know how it'd be kind of because i heard this was like a christian Band. Oh, like working here today? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, she okay. would, she just seemed yeah. a little standoffish about it, and hmm. 
um, I was like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. Well, why, why is that? And she's, and she said, she said, well, cause I'm a pagan. I was like, that's, that's an interesting use. To, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting way to describe yourself. You it's don't hear people very say that general term. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, I was like, okay, that's interesting. I was like, so I said, well, wh- yeah. what do you, what do you mean you're a pagan? Yeah. What do you mean by that? And, uh, she said, well, I'm, I'm Wicca. Uh, I practice witchcraft. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, and I could tell that she was like trying to scare me away kind of, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, Ooh, I'm, I do witchcraft and, yeah. and, uh, and this is a Christian guy and a Christian band and a Christian video shoot or whatever. Yeah. Cause and, I would uh, imagine for her, it might've felt easier for her to feel justified. Like, yeah, I knew I would scare him off and he wouldn't talk to yeah, me yeah. rather than actually trying to talk to you and listen to maybe perhaps a different opinion. <laughs> yeah. And, and, oh, you know what? I think we actually had talked about the meaning of the song too. So I'm talking about like sharing our faith in the gospel, you know? So it was very interwoven. And so yeah. she's, she's pretty uncomfortable with, with that. And so, yeah, she says, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, Wicca. And I was like, oh, well, so I, I just like asked her, I was like, well, how, how'd you get into that? <laughs> like what, mm. what led you to that? And totally caught her off guard. Cause the last thing she thought a Christian would say, would be like, oh yeah, tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more about that. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it was really interesting because as we talked, um, at first she was, you know, she just, she kept it, she kept waiting for me to like reject her or push her away or be like, Oh, mm. you're bad. You're evil. Yeah. You know, I don't want anything yeah. to do with you. And when I kept just asking her about herself and her upbringing and, and then, um, you know, I was like, well, okay, we probably, sh- maybe we shouldn't stay on religion. Um, cause we're, we're going to be really far apart here. And I just asked her how she mm. got into filmmaking and, you know, cool. and what was interesting then is as she kind of started to share her story. Then she came back around and she's like, yeah, you know, I had, I used to go to church and yeah, there were a lot of people that treated me really badly and I was really deeply yeah. wounded and really hurt. And so I decided I didn't want anything to do with that. And she kind of full spectrum swung the other direction, right? Like completely yeah. rebelled against that yep. entirely because her experience was so negative and so destructive and so brutal by the way that she'd been treated. Um, and she swung the other, you know, the other way. And so I was able to just to share with her, like I, I said, man, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And, um, that's, that's not God. That's not the God that yeah. I believe in. That yeah. is people, people being wrong and sinful and mean. And just because we say that we're a Christian or just because we go to church or say that we're part of a church does not necessarily mean that we represent God well <laughs> all the time. And so I just, I just shared with her a little True. bit. I said, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't know all of the things that happened, but I'm sorry yeah. that happened. And and yeah. I just want you to know that's not the God that I believe in because that's how you were treated is the opposite of the grace and yeah, the love right, right, of exactly. God that, that I believe in and that I, you know, um, that, as far as my faith goes, like this is a 180 degree from your experience. And so it was really interesting through the whole conversation. Um, I walked away from it realizing, I think the big takeaway for me was that um, because I was willing to just be kind to her and ask about her life a little bit 
and just be loving for a moment. Um, we were able to have a conversation and she yeah. walked away. I could sell, I could tell somewhat confused and bewildered mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. all of the stereotypes and all the things that she had built up in her life of how a Christian is and how a Christian will react to who she is. None of that happened in our dialogue. <laughs> and Good. she, she tried to poke the bear right a few times and sure. get a reaction. And it, it just didn't happen that way. And so uh, walking away from that, I just, I just was reminded, I think of like how important it is that we love people first. And yeah. I think in this political climate today, especially in politics and, um, and in, in religion and in the church as well, a lot of times we shoot people first <laughs> and then yeah. tell them, you know, tell them yeah. that's why it's wrong or this is why this needs to change. And, and we get volatile and yeah. argumentative really quickly. Let me ask you a question. As you're sharing this story about talking with this lady uh, on set of making the Shut Me Out video, I'm reminded that on that same album, which is Hearts of the Innocent, you also wrote a song called Smile. And um, it's the premise of it is like, sometimes the kindness of the Lord is expressed in a profound way, even through something as simple as a smile at someone and just like an expression of kindness that's maybe not proclamation words or like trying to convince someone of a certain point of view, but like literally just wearing the joy of the Lord on your countenance, I guess. That's like yeah. a very Christianese way of saying it. But <laughs> do you, yeah, do you remember that story of like what, um, Cause that was like, uh, from a particular lady that you sat near on a plane or something, right? When yeah. You were flying around. Yeah. So that, that song, um, it was interesting and not, not like trying to toot my own horn here. <laughs> it's just a, just a real story that happened. Um, I tooted your but, horn. Yeah. Thank you. Toot, um, toot, toot, toot. Um, so I, I walked onto this airplane and we've flown so, so you walked miles. on the pl- the airplane yeah yeah most I, I, most people <laughs> that's how they get on the airplane um we were we've on flown, it <laughs> <laughs> we've flown so many miles we've been on airplanes all the time and honestly yeah, they just let us crawl all over it now <laughs> i i'm kind of the the type that likes to like just put my headphones in and have my space and not talk to anybody um yeah but yeah that's kind of my my default mode on airplanes and i always get stuck talking to chatty people (laughs) yeah but sometimes yeah you sit down next to somebody and you know they want to chat and so i I try to be polite and and talk with them but the other problem is is when we walk on the plane and we're carrying guitars and all this kind of stuff of course everyone wants to know oh are you guys a band what band are you have we ever heard of you yeah etc etc right so we're very interesting yeah (laughs) (laughs) and and the flight attendant will always say oh are you guys gonna play us a song um yeah i can't (laughs) count how many times we've been at that's been said and we're like ha 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 yeah heard that before (laughs) 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 no so this one day we get on the airplane, just like all the other times <laughs> we've done it a million uh-huh. times. I, we come walking in the aisle, you know, find my seat, um, which the funny thing is in the song, uh, total sidebar here, but in the song, I said, I slide into my window seat because hmm. in those, in those yeah. days, I actually preferred a window seat. Um, 
and because so I like funny. to look and out the window. Now you prefer aisle, right? I'm 100 percent aisle. Yeah, me too. All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back then, I actually liked the window seat so I could see out. Um, now, somewhere, and, and we've talked a little bit about kind of the mental health journey, and I know we're going to get into it more in future episodes. But um, yeah. I actually started really dealing with like claustrophobia really bad. Oh, and really? So the window seat started to feel claustrophobic to me. And sure. so that's why actually an aisle seat is like I have very where different I be. reasons for wanting to sit in the aisle, but yeah. Well, and getting yeah. up is go to the bathroom, get stuff yes. out of the, the, the bin. It's just easier. It's mainly it's because I'm, you know, I'm six one, I'm kind of big and like in an aisle seat, you're always guaranteed a gap of space next to you. Like I could lean yeah. that way yep. into the aisle for the majority yes. of the flight and I can get out and get up. Yeah. yeah. Until you get rammed in the shoulder by the cart, but yeah, that's the payoff <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yes. I've also experienced that, but actually I have gotten to the place where I'll take a middle seat over a window seat at this point because it's mm. one less removed from that aisle where I feel more claustrophobic, which is weird because huh. usually yeah. the middle is the least desirable seat. So anyway, sidebar, but, uh, so in the song, yeah, I, I slide into my window seat. I'm sitting next to this lady and, yeah. uh, and she wants, you know, of course, Oh, are you in a band? Yeah. You know, where, or where are you headed? I'm headed here. You know, what are you doing? I'm in a band playing a show. Okay, cool. What's the name of your band? Cutlass. Um, and so we just kind of, we went through like kind of the, the car. Normal, <laughs> <laughs> no, not like the car. Well, what does your band name mean? Right. Yep. And we got to that part of the conversation. Well, we're a Christian band. And she goes, I know. And I was like, what do you mean? You know? And she's like, I could tell. And oh, I was like, sweet. Hold, hold up. Like I just told you that. And you haven't heard, you haven't heard of us. You're not familiar with us. You're asking me, you know, about us. Like, how did you know that we were a Christian band? And she's like, well, when you just, when you came on the plane, I could see it. She's like the, your countenance, the smile on your face, the way that you moved and just the way that you looked, I could tell that you had Christ in your life. Wow. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, She's a ninja. Yeah. And so it was really interesting to me as I thought about that of in evangelical Christianity, I think we oftentimes feel this burden to sit down in that airplane seat and be like, have you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? <laughs> Let me yeah. tell you yeah. <laughs> about why you need to be saved. Right. Yeah. And the problem with that is a lot of people that sit in that seat next to you actually get super freaked out by that. And totally, it's actually not a very loving way of engaging with them right out of the gates. You just, you haven't even met them yet. You know right. what I mean? Like uh, Jesus always came in and loved people. And heard yeah. their story yeah. and then said, go your way and send no more. He didn't come right. in and be like, you need to change who you are. You need to change the way that you act. He always loved him first. And then been, he was so gracious and kind. Mm. And and then he'd be like, no, tell me the truth. I, I know that <laughs> what, right. you can give me all the information. <laughs> right. <laughs> you actually, your life's actually more got more issues than you'd laid on, but that's okay. And, mm -hmm. and then he would be gracious and kind to them and love them well. And, and, so the thing, the thing about that was I, I had this realization that in that moment that Christ was showing up in my life through simply a smile. It was recognizable. It was, um, 
I, I guess, even contagious in a way, right? And mm. and I think people cool. see that. When you see someone that is just filled with joy and happiness and kindness and love, you want to be around that, right? And yes. And when I think about it, for those that have traveled a lot and been on airplanes, think about the countenance of most of the people that come on the airplane. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a noticeable difference if someone walks on that plane with joy in their eyes and in their face and in their countenance. Um, right. And most people don't have that, honestly. Like, they come in pretty solemn, just like, here, here we go, you know, find my seat. I hate flying, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And to be fair, I look that way a lot too. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, definitely but, now. Yeah. In this situation, though, um, just a simple smile, like God can reach someone's heart through that because there's a warmth there and there's a love there. And so uh, the song basically was birthed out of that. Sometimes a smile says everything that needs to be said that I can't, I could try and wax poetically and give a theological dissertation on (laughs) the Trinity and Mm -hmm. that would not be helpful, but simply smiling and being warm to the person that's sitting next to me in the chair um, sometimes is all that needs to happen. And so I think that that's where as Christians, it's important that we're sensitive to the Holy spirit in when we should just honestly keep our mouth shut and listen, listen to someone's story and listen to where they're at. Because a lot of people, I think what they want more than anything is just to be known and understood and loved. And, yeah, and have someone feel like willing to be present with them. Totally. And if yeah. you start there and then people say, well, why do you care? Why do you even, why are you even listening to me? Right. Now the door is open to say, well, it's not me. It's the love of Christ in me. And he loves you too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that, I think that's where there's just real power in that. And I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in the do's and the don'ts of evangelical, the kind of evangelical movement. If I got, I got to go preach, I got to go tell everybody and let everybody know they're going to hell if they don't accept Christ. And Mm -hmm. the problem with that is we often skip through the very point that Jesus says it's it's kindness that brings men to repentance, right? Right. Uh, Not his preaching, not his yelling, not his convincing or his theological uh logical reasoning it's it's the kindness it's the love of god and Mm. i think it's really easy for us to skip over that and we get into this well i gotta do something as a christian i need to do my part to share the gospel with the world and um i think sometimes we miss the people entirely Mm, and And that's the whole point, right? Is the whole point? I know is the you've people. mentioned, yeah. I know you've mentioned that as like part of your regrets, if any, can be expressed over the years. Like, how how are you processing that nowadays? With like, as you look back on our career, yeah. Um, so i uh, I had kind of a big realization um, a couple years ago, and. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll jump into more of that in a, in a future episode. Um, Sure. Yeah. But, uh, but the, the kind of the big, the big aha moment for me was that, um, in evangelical Christianity, 
let's just look at it from a logical perspective that if I believe that this group over here is not saved and going to hell, then the most loving thing that I can do is to chuck them over the fence onto the other side of the people that are going to heaven. And so you engage that with this mentality of, okay, I need to get as many people that are over here on the bad side onto this other side of the fence where it's the good side where they're saved right. and they're going to go to heaven. Right. And so it puts you into kind of this w- works-based mode where you're just trying to chuck as many people over the fence as you can, as fast as you can, because yeah. we need to reach as many people as possible because we don't want to see anyone perish. And and there's a bunch of scriptures that you can use to kind of um, support that, you know, kind of that, that thinking of, evangelizing right and and i'm not saying that evangelizing is completely bad right i think there's a time and a place for it for sure but the problem with what i think i was doing in a lot of cases and what i see happen a lot in evangelical christianity is that quick max reach get as many people over as you can um just shuffle 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 uh you miss the people. And what happens is, is you don't know their names. You don't know their story. You don't know anything about them. And then we run into the secondary problem that evangelical Christianity's really struggled with um, for decades. uh, And that is discipleship because Mm -hmm. we chuck them over the other side of the fence. And now you got a whole huge group of people that are like, yeah, okay, I I can buy into this. I, you know, I'll say, I believe in Jesus and say the sinner's prayer. Now what? And we didn't take the time to get to know any of them. And so they're just standing over there now going, I don't know what to do next. I don't know where to begin next. How do I grow in my faith? Uh, And so the durability of that oftentimes is not very good because they, they maybe got chucked over the fence, but they don't actually feel loved or helped or, and some, I'm not saying always, right? There's a ton of people that came to Christ maybe through a large crusade and we've been a part of those. Some of them were just incredible and super thankful for those. And that was the beginning of their journey to a really um, wonderful and deep relationship with God. But there is a real challenge, especially in large churches um, for any kind of discipleship and durability in growth in faith. And what's interesting is if you flip that concept on its head and say, okay, let's look at the people first and love the people. Let's get to know them. Let's see who they are and let's walk with them. Um, that's discipleship first, conversion second, kind of, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's a lot more durability to that, a lot more safety to that as far mm, that's as... That's a good word for it, durability. Um, because now, now they're on a journey with God that is a life-changing journey, which is the way I think the Christian life is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a relationship. It's supposed to be something that takes time, that you grow and you change and you you build that relationship with God, right? And you build that relationship with other yeah. people in the church. And, yeah. and um, if it's just conversion, then it's it's tricky, right? Because now what? And I know there's a lot of discipleship hmm. programs and, and we've dabbled in this too. Like how can we use technology and discipleship uh, booklets or, you know, different things. And there's a lot of people that have tried a lot of different stuff. Um, but for me, I think the biggest change was like, how can I better care about the individual person and who they are instead of how many people raise their hand today? 
Yeah. Because I think before I'd be like, man, we had 150 people raise their hand. Mm -hmm. What a success. And I was measuring it in numbers, right? Yeah. Like 150 people raised their hand, gave their life to Christ. Sweet. Like successful. We just got 150 people over the fence. And then I'm like, I don't know a single one of their names. Not, mm -hmm. not one of them. I don't know right. anything about any of them. And most of the people in this room don't know anything about them. And do they even have a friend that's going to walk with them? And you know what I mean? And so I just, totally. I just was yes. like, man, in, in this, and I'm, again, I'm not saying that gospel presentations are bad, right? Like we've, we've done a lot of them, uh, but there's got to be a yearning for the individual and for the person and for their heart, I think, because I think mm -hmm. that's what God's heart is. And, um, and so that shift, uh, of just realizing like, man, I was so focused on just shoveling people over the fence that I missed the people. And it really does, it, it, it kind of gets rid of the love piece. You're not loving people, you're converting people. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that, yeah, so I've really, I guess that's where I'm at now is like, how can I better learn to love people? And even, yeah, there's a lot of times where I'm on the stage with the microphone and because of the structure that we're in, um, it looks a lot like raise your hand and go on our way. Um, but yep. it, it, it's just the nature of it. Right. And I'm not saying that there's nothing good that comes from that, but I've been challenged in my own life to how can I be more relational, more loving, more focused on the individual? Because I think that's the way God is. He goes for the one out of the 99, right? He goes and finds the one lost sheep. That's right. That's right. And gathers them in. So, yeah. That's I don't right. know. Do you have any more thoughts on that? <laughs> you know, I remember reading a book by C.S. Lewis called The Weight of Glory. And it's um, it's not actually a book that he like sat down to write with the goal of of writing one of his books. Yeah, obviously he published many books. This book is a collection of sermons and teachings and lectures of his that were all kind mm -hmm. of, uh, had some similar subject matter. And I think posthumously, even people were able to like compile this into a book called the weight of glory. And there was this really, um, this, this passage he wrote about, that just really like changed my perspective about everything you were just talking about. He, he just, I mean, this kind of seems like no duh, cause this is just part of our kind of the basics of our Christian faith, but the way he wrote about it was significant and it, it brought my attention to this fact. Everyone you meet is an eternal being. Everyone mm -hmm. you will ever talk to or see they're an eternal being and what a privilege it is that we have that we might have some effect in their life and we might be able to show them the love of god and as long as we genuinely care about the fact that they are a person and they are an eternal creature you know mm -hmm. so it taught me to like look with more um more compassion and empathy at the world around me i think yeah. And I think that's what I see missing a lot of times in kind of this mode of conversion first is just yeah. a lack of compassion, empathy and empathy. And, yeah. you know, to come yeah. back to the story I was telling about, um, the lady on that 
on that video shoot, um, that's what that's what seemed so different. I think to her was she wasn't she wasn't getting told that she was wrong and she needed to change what side of the fence she was on. She just simply was like, this person asked about my life and asked about me and didn't try and con- she wasn't ready to have that conversation of conversion. If I would have gone there immediately, right. it, it would have completely pushed her away and that's the so conversation true. would have ended like that's that would have, so it would have been like, we're done. I don't want to talk to you. And so I, I could tell, I knew right in that moment, that if, if I go there, that's, that's not going to work. And I, I just need to just be in this place with her right now and honor the fact that she's been through some hard stuff and that she was wounded by the church. And that's really sad. And by Christians, yes. and that's really sad. And that's part of why she's where she's at. And you'd be empathetic and compassionate and loving towards that and not just condemning like, Oh, well, you practice witchcraft. So you're the enemy. Yeah. Um, God loves, God still loves her, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause she practices witchcraft doesn't mean that God no longer loves her or cares for her. And so that it was just a very um, interesting thing. I think she walked away from that having experienced something that she wasn't used to and, and was not expecting. Um, cool. And I think in our culture today, it just seems like with social media and everything, it's like whoever shouts the loudest wins kind of is yeah. the approach that we have. And um, I actually watched a, a video just recently um, with, Brene Brown, um, she's pretty well known, and she has a TED talk that she did. Gosh, like back in like 2010 or 11 or something like that. And I, just, I realized I'd yeah I'd never watched it, and it was kind of the thing that launched her into fame and and cool. well known. Yeah, um, very cool. And and so basically, I, I I'd, it had come up, and I was like, I don't think I've ever actually watched that TED talk. So I'd heard about it, but I'd never watched it. So I went and watched it. It's got like over 60 million views or whatever like it's very popular mm, only 60 million and, huh yeah so i watched it and it was really interesting because a couple of things that really jumped out to me um she was doing research on vulnerability um mm. and shame and and her, her research was basically showing that people that uh didn't admit to or couldn't deal with their shame and, and weren't vulnerable that the relationships suffered as a result of it. And many of them that the way that they would try and deal with it is control and, uh, certainty and dogmatism. And, hmm. and then she goes, she just like, pokes, they would like try and force those outcomes on certain, uh, factors in their life. Yeah. So, and, and so the, the very thing she poked at immediately was religion and oh. politics. Okay. And she was like, religion used to be, and, and she's speaking from kind of a, I think a secular viewpoint. I don't, I don't know that she's a Christian. I don't know if she is or isn't. I haven't listened to enough of her stuff to know, but, um, but religion used to be kind of this mysterious, beautiful thing. I think even Christianity, like the mystery of God and that God would love us. And that relational loving component is at the core of Christianity. And somewhere along the way, it became a, uh, a method of, um, converting our habits and from sinful to holy, right? Like it, it became a, really a methodology for us to change behavior, right? From, 
well, we're sinful and now we have the Bible and we know the truth. So we need to change our conduct and behavior and we have scripture to back all this up. And so then we started to move in this certainty of here's what a Christian looks like and here's what a non-Christian looks like. So we need to look like this Hmm. and everything started to become really black and white. Now with the movement of moral relativism that caused us to dig into more black and white, right? Cause we're like, everything's mm. black and white. But when you move into a 100% black and white world, you lose out completely on the mystery of the Holy spirit and on the love of God and on the, the relational components, which are yeah. the most beautiful and important part, I think at our core of what we're created to experience. And so it, it's, Right. I'm touching on some stuff here that I've experienced personally that's been really challenging because I'm not saying that there aren't things that are true. And I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't have truth to for us to follow and, and learn from. Yeah. But when things become absolutely certain all the time, you completely miss the beautiful mysteries of God, right? Mm-hmm. And And that is so sad and i think so many churches and and christians end up there and to me that is the difference between religion and a walk with god right mm-hmm. because we we move into these very structured boxes that we can make sense of everything and we make everything black and white everything makes sense this way or that way um and i really think that you know as psychology and and some of these researchers have found that a lot of that is a way for us to try and deal with our own shame because we know we're not good enough and we know that we're sinful. And so if I can just look like this, instead of finding our security in the love of God, we try and find our security in, well, I'm a pretty good Christian because I follow most of the rules or I've done pretty good in these ways. And, um, but then we hide that shame and we're not vulnerable with one another. And then that doesn't allow us to have relationships with one another. And it, and it becomes very unloving. And that's kind of what I get, I'm getting at is that certainty anytime. Um, and, and, and let's shift to politics for a second. You look at Democrats and Republicans by and large, don't agree on a lot. Both of them act with a sense of certainty and they yell at each other and you can't have a conversation because there's this, level of certainty. Well, you're what's wrong with the world and I'm what's right with the world. <laughs> and there's no conversation. There's no relationship. And, yeah. uh, and I think it happens in the church as well. I think with different denominations, with different theology, people get really set in their dogmatic way. Right. And it, and it kills relationship and it kills very much love. So. Yes. And I think at the core of what God brought was that. So, yeah, I don't know. Kind of beat beat this one to death a little bit, but I do think it's a uh, it's a huge problem, and it's something that I've I've struggled with in my own life of finding. It's almost easier for me just to have a checklist, right, and be like, if I do this, this, sure. and this, then I did it right. Um, it's much more challenging to be vulnerable and honest. And that sounds like your old way of thinking, the way that you felt addicted to thinking about everything, and like terms of performance and perfection yeah but that leaves you without deep relationship right yeah yeah and and that's where and that was that with that ted talk with Brene brown she talks about you got to be vulnerable i'm like Mm. well that doesn't fit into a certainty mindset of uh, trying to achieve perfection you're right (laughs) that's true yeah 
and and that's super damaging on the relationships if you if you can't be a human being around other human beings that's yeah got issues and and be present with them and vulnerable with them and yeah um yeah that's a huge reason for this podcast and we've talked about you know of gosh you and i getting vulnerable here in hopes that it will help <laughs> other people uh share their stories and understand their you know lord i hope so yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I, I have to say i we did get a comment um i think just a couple episodes ago um we've gotten a couple of these now uh of people that have been listening to the podcast that said hey thank you i have put off doing any kind of therapy or counseling for years and i knew i needed it but um but i'm really going through some stuff and and this podcast gave them the encouragement and strength to to finally wow. go get some help and so awesome i know there's that at least a couple <laughs> yeah there's at least a couple people out there that are listening that um have taken steps in their own lives to wow that's um, great yeah to to move forward in those ways and so that's I'm, great i'm glad that glad that these stories are at least helping in in some some ways but but it's yeah. hard it's not easy um, being vulnerable is hard and it's scary yep but but you're gonna make it so. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get through it listener yeah yeah um yeah. do you remember any other stories from that kind of uh, era of our career, how we were, so we were going on a, a pretty big tour right around that time as well called the hearts of the innocent tour. And we got to work with again, kind of outside the box, like at that video shoot for shut me out. We had yeah. all sorts of different people. It wasn't just like a, a church, you know, <laughs> trying to shoot a music video together. It was all sorts of different professionals in the, you know, music video scene there in Hollywood. And and then we got to work with um, the company Suzuki on our yeah. Hearts of the Innocent tour to, you know, Super to work cool. with them on marketing and promo. We gave away a car, we gave away a couple Suzuki motorcycles and stuff, and yeah, it was yeah. interesting to like be in business with like a big, major corporate company. sponsor, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, that was kind of cool that a corporate sponsor was willing to take the risk of aligning with a pretty openly faith-based band like ours. Totally. Yeah. Um, and that I still don't understand it really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they were, yeah, they were the primary sponsor on that tour. We, our trailer got wrapped. Everything was sponsored by Suzuki. All the posters said sponsored by Suzuki. Um, it was super cool. And, yeah. uh, yeah, and it was fun to get to give away a car and, and motorcycle stuff. I don't even remember who won it, but apparently at the end of that whole campaign, I don't know how they measure all of those things, but apparently it was hugely successful from however they measure advertising, you know, reach and uh, return on, on their advertising dollars spent on that tour. But Okay, um, good to know. Yeah, apparently, apparently it was a huge success. Um, I don't know why they haven't called us back to do it again. But yeah, <laughs> listen, <laughs> we're... Listen to our beautiful voices. We could do voiceover yeah. for yeah. your commercials. You heard I mean, me read think... that chatbot GPT <laughs> movie about Cutlass. You know I can do yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe Suzuki will sponsor our movie. That... <laughs> our, 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 <laughs> the our Cutlass GPT movie. movie. Unshaken. Yeah. A Suzuki <laughs> story. <Cutlass> unshaken. <laughs> Brought to you by Suzuki. Yeah. Yeah. But really cool to work with a, <laughs> a big company. Um, yeah. And that yeah, tour that tour was big. Um, it yeah. went very well. 
And that was also yeah. where we shot our live in Portland uh, DVD yeah. was on that tour. I, I see that hanging up over your, well, to our view on the video, you're over yeah. your right shoulder. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Right up. Live from right Portland. Up behind me. Point. Because that, that actually went gold, that uh, live DVD. Yeah. Um, that release. It was, a, yep. it was a gold DVD, which was pretty cool. Back when DVDs still existed before the days of, now it's just streaming. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how you get a gold streaming show or movie <laughs> let's find out <laughs> but uh yeah so that was that was pretty neat if you haven't seen that um i know a lot of our fans listen to this you've probably been with us for years and you probably are very familiar with that but we did an audio live recording of that so there is the live recording that you can find on streaming services and everything everywhere and, and youtube yeah. live mm -hmm. yeah there's the full live dvd it was the actual video uh, production of that and super cool. That was really fun to be in our home city. Yeah. Tons of people we knew just massive sold out show. Yeah. Um, it was, and it you was know, it was funny. People might not know this, but we filmed the entire concert with the crowd there, but we also earlier in the day wore the same outfits and uh, filmed the entire concert with no crowd there so that the camera crew could get some shots that they wouldn't be able to get with, uh, if there was a bunch of people and, and they had us. Yeah. It was, do you remember that? It was kind yeah. of interesting. We played yeah. twice all the yeah. way through. And then we recorded everything live and then all of those tracks went to the studio and stuff was overdubbed, cleaned and up and edited, mastered yeah. and cleaned up and edited and yeah, all the stuff and got it all ready for the, for the live release and um, yeah yeah so it was it was pretty neat process getting to see that and be part of that and then for it to do really well was was really cool and i mean i wonder how many time people frame. noticed that the guitar spin evolution from our year touch video to i think i probably spun my guitar like five or six times on the live from portland <laughs> dvd yeah well when you guys first started doing the guitar spin i like <laughs> on your touch video, it yeah. was very slow. It was timid. Like, it was, it was almost like a hula hoop that you're trying to get going. <laughs> kind of had to like rock your body to like get it all to, to move all the way around your body. And then True. by the time we got to, yeah, the live, live in Portland, you just whipped that thing around. Just yeah. Actually it. on <laughs> live from Portland, I was doing a move where I would spin the guitar over my left shoulder and it would spin around my body. And then with the momentum of it, as it would swing back up into my grip, then I would like spin it spin back it the, other, the way. other way. So it would go backwards so cool. around me. It yep. was cool. I, rem yes. I remember that. And it's, yeah, that was, it looked, it looked pretty awesome. And, Thank uh, you. It was cool. how many, how many guitars though died from guitar spins? <laughs> the, there were a few fatalities. Um, <laughs> I remember the first time I broke one. It was when I was playing for Schecter, and it was a C1 Elite. And uh, strap lock came undone, and it kind of headstock straight into the ground, and it just kind of like exploded up the headstock, like <laughs> into like pieces, went flying everywhere. <laughs> um, and then I would say it happened. I don't think I've ever like destroyed another guitar doing that like that first one 
but um, they definitely would come off and they would, you know, slam on the ground and, or one yeah. of them went shooting off towards you once and like, yeah, almost hit almost you in the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It caught, uh, I was wearing my in-ears and the cable for my in-ears was on the, like just sticking off the back of my neck Yeah, and I'm singing into the microphone and all of a sudden. <laughs> It was like somebody had grabbed that cable and yanked it <laughs> as hard as they could on the back of my head and it yanked my head back and ripped my yeah. in-ears out of my ears. And I was like, what in the world? Like, who did that? <laughs> and I turn around and there's oh, no, no one behind me, but there's a guitar laying there behind me. Yeah. <laughs> and it took me a second and I realized, oh, like that guitar almost just like took my yeah. head off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was inches away from completely just clocking me in the head. And, <laughs> yeah. That was bad news. Yeah. So, uh, for any listeners that have always wondered about the guitar spin and, and want to try it, what uh, are the necessary, what are the necessary steps? I got two words for you, kids strap locks, <laughs> strap locks. Yeah. Yeah. You Essential. Gotta you gotta have yeah. a good pair of strap locks. Yep. Um, and, and if then, you don't, <laughs> and if you don't, your guitar will die. <laughs> your guitar will come off of yeah. you and slam into the yeah. ground. Or if you do it inside, you're going to break a door or a window or a mirror <laughs> or something, uh, or your brother. Uh, yeah. yeah. So strap locks. And then as long, honestly, as long as you have good strap locks and they're in and they don't come pulled out, it's fairly easy to do. You just give it a good old spin but you really got to commit to it. I would also say one last piece of advice. It's best to have like a nylon strap, the nylon material strap rather than like a leather strap is just going to get like stuck as you do it. And you're more likely to have the guitar hit you. Um, Yeah. But um, I would say uh, wear a shirt that protects your neck because sometimes you get (laughs) neck burn from your strap strap rash yeah. i guess i used to call it <laughs> um yeah it, but you just gotta chuck it it'll do it yeah strap now, locks, most of the do time not do not yeah. ignore that part <laughs> strap locks <laughs> the most important part but yes. with your guitars when when they got shattered the entire strap lock came out of the guitar right like the entire screw stripped out the whole thing just ripped out on a yeah, few those, right? yeah 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 yep, yeah yeah but that's yep. kind of a that's a touring musician problem where you're doing guitar spins every night and playing every night. And it yeah. just eventually, eventually gave way. <laughs> couldn't, yes. couldn't handle the rock. <laughs> That's true. So, yeah. So if you do, if you do it a lot, yeah, just check, make sure your, your screw is still secure. Maybe fastened. watch, maybe watch our videos. So you see how I do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't, didn't, isn't there a video somewhere of, of one of your guitars getting smashed floating around? I think I, thought oh. I remember one. <laughs> Actually, so when we were in off. Ukraine, do you remember this? That's right. We yes, were in Ukraine. That's right. And I had kind of stopped doing it because, to be totally honest, at a certain point, I felt like my job as a guitar player was to stand there and play the songs correctly instead yeah. of like, run around and spin around and try and act like I'm, you know, one of those wind up toys. Yeah. Um, so 
I kind of stopped doing that, to be honest. And then we mm. were on tour in Ukraine in 2016, and some of the crew that was traveling with us had grown up like watching this live from Portland and like watching videos of us on on the internet and and they were like begging me every night like oh come on you should do it it would be so cool if you did it and i was like no 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 i don't do that anymore and they just kept asking and so one night i did it and man we'll have to find this video and post it on social media just in yeah in uh honor of this story um (laughs) but yeah someone got perfect video standing next to me on stage of me kind of spinning it and it comes apart and just slams into the ground and goes like like bounced off the ground Uh, yeah bounced right back up into the air uh but yeah Uh, well i'll find that video and we'll post it the bummer your heart broke a little bit Well, here's a cool thing. Here's a cool thing. So I play for this awesome guitar company called Kiesel Guitars, and they're made down in San Diego. So um, Kiesel spelled like the word diesel, like diesel fuel, but spelled with a K. Kind of like Cutlass with a K. Like Cutlass with a K. Kiesel, Jeff Kiesel makes me amazing guitars. And when this guitar came off of my body and spun through the air and slammed into the ground, so first of all, I lit – knelt down next to it and the strap had come out and stuff. So the yeah. strap lock had kind of malfunctioned, but I picked it up off the ground and cause we were still playing a song like the rest of you guys, yeah. my band are still playing. I picked it up off the ground and I swear I'm not joking at all. I picked it up and it was in tune and I just started, I knelt and played the rest of the song. <laughs> cause your strap was broken. So you couldn't put it back. Right. On. But the guitar yeah. was in tune and that's yeah. pretty remarkable. That's pretty And amazing. nothing really happened to it. It had kind of like a, a a chip out of kind of the underside, just like the paint. A, yeah, but not bad. And um, yeah, really cool. But so here's it's like, sort of a it's like, it's like the Yeti cooler of guitars. <laughs> sure, whatever that means. But I think most people know what you mean. Um, yeah. Here was the bummer part when I posted that video it actually got like pretty popular pretty fast. And there was like over a thousand thousands of views on it pretty quickly, like in a couple of days. And then that attracted people that like had just kind of seen it because the algorithm started to show it. Yeah. More. And there was people like, this guy's so dumb. I can't believe he <laughs> did that. What a dumb, dumb, dumb <laughs> strap locks, bro. And you're like, I had strap locks. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely you, you need to strap blocks. That's right. You gotta <laughs> gotta have strap blocks. You have to. And even then, it might come off and shatter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just never know. So yeah, don't if you're super attached to your guitar, just know it's always a possibility. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but well, uh, we've covered a lot today, um, and uh, I think there's there's some stuff there. I, I hope people think about just as far as. As you go through life, see the people around you. Yeah. Love what them well. What a great well. reminder. Yeah. And sometimes not speaking can be the best thing in situations. Yeah. Listening. Which seems yeah. backwards sometimes, but sometimes listening is more important than speaking. And I think there's I a think, proverb about that too. Yeah. Yep. I think what God has been showing me lately is with discipleship and like really leading someone to Christ. Um, there's really something beautiful that happens when you like earn 
the permission in their life by being their friend and being there for them. When you earn that place in their life of like being that trusted friend that they want to know the reason for your belief and the richness of the gospel. And, and you'll know, cause they'll ask you a question that just kind of tease it right up. Like how, that's happened yeah. to you a bunch of times, right? Yeah. It's happened to me a bunch of times. Like they'll just, all of a sudden they'll be like, so tell me about Jesus. And you're like, yes, <laughs> there <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. But it's such a blessing to earn that. Yeah. In that moment, they're inviting you. Yep. You're not, you're not barging in and demanding. They're inviting yeah. you to come yeah. in to their life and share your hope with them. Like, and yeah. to me, that's, that's different when it's an invitation versus an attack almost, you know, like trying to barge in and, there's a dif- there's a difference there that I think is like you said it's pretty cool when someone yeah. invites you in and says tell can you tell me about your faith yeah tell me about God I want to know more there's something there that I want and that I need or that I I, I want to know more about and that's a that's a cool spot because then that can begin on relational from a relational standpoint into that journey. And also mm-hmm. opens opens up the door for discipleship too, right? Because they they don't just want to know what do I got to do, but I want I want to know more. I want to yeah. How do I how do I live this out? How do I continue to walk in this? Yeah, pretty cool. Very cool. But good topic. Awesome. Well, thank today. you guys. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for listening once again here on Rock in a Hard Place. And uh, make sure you leave a review and uh, and comments and just uh, that that helps kind of again with the on all the podcast platforms just people see it and share it with your friends let people know if there's something here that kind of stuck out to you um share it and and we'd love just to continue to get more and more people send us your stories you can email us and uh or hit us up on our neighbor social media um in the cutlass socials we're still poking around on there so and somebody reach out to suzuki for us <laughs> We're due for another Suzuki. Maybe Suzuki should sponsor the podcast. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, yeah. you need celebrity <laughs> voiceover for your marketing campaign. We'll do it. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so, well, thank you guys. God bless you, and we'll catch you next time on Rockin' a Hard Place. We love y'all. Peace. Peace.